With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Groundhog Day, there were some stormy conditions in the Midlands and little evidence of a red-high pressing front coming down from the north. Overnight, however, conditions have eased somewhat and a sunnier future is predicted for the Anfield area with scattered Suarez and a light sprinkling of Sturridge. It's the day trippers. Groundhog Day, there were some stormy conditions in the Midlands and little evidence of a red-high pressing front coming down from the north. Overnight, however, conditions have eased somewhat and a sunnier future is predicted for the Anfield area with scattered Suarez and a light sprinkling of Sturridge. It's the day troubles.
On tonight's show, we're joined fresh from his transfer deadline spectacular by the Redman TV's Paul Machen. We put forward our shout for the worst forward in the number 10 role in our worst all-time 11 section. We talk about Ben Foster's hoodoo over Luis Suarez and dropping points to West Brom. We look forward to the visit of the voyeur and his band of title hopefuls, and we finish, as ever, with listeners' questions. First up, we return to filling out our worst Liverpool 11s, and it's the turn of our strikers now. We're going to look at the shittiest support strikers, or number 10s, that we've endured in our LFC watching careers. So we're going to go first to our guest on the line tonight, Paul Machen. Who would you choose in that role? It's interesting because you obviously got the agenda today and you're saying number 10s and it's whether you wanted specific 10s or people who play in and around that that hole because we can do both because there have been, as you say, just a, a plethora of shitty players who've tried to play in that position over the years. Yeah. Um, I think it's got to go, I think it's between two and I'll go for, the, um, I'll, go, I'll have to go for one of the two and it's going to be everyone's... Um, Everyone's favourite Ukrainian, hey. <laughs> uh, the Harry Potter, the Harry Potter Malfoy extra himself, uh, <laughs> Andrew Bodman. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and and just to elaborate as to why, as if you have to, but go ahead. Well, he's, he, he had the number ten shirts, and he was fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That, that, that's good. The thing about it is that he had, we got him, and he was, and he was rubbish, and then we loaned him out, and he was good. And we all and we all were fooled into this false sense of security. It's like, oh, we're getting a battle when he's done really well. I'm alone. I'm sure he'll be all right. Uh, no, no, big pile of shit when he came back as well. So yeah, Andy Varnan, Andy Varnan, thanks, Paul. James Owens, your shout. Uh, I want to make a quick point on Varnan first. I think he was all right in his first season. He actually, I don't know if people know this, but I remember looking at the time because I was coming to his defence. Uh, he had a better um, minutes per goal ratio than Ryan Babel last season, and it was an injury interrupted season as well. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, a bit of a yeah, bit. Yeah, but that's, not, that's, not, that's nowhere near as funny, James. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't piss on me, Bonfire. Come on. <laughs> his wrestling career as Triple H was a lot better, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, James, sorry. Back to you, Chief. You're a Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's not particularly funny, but it's, it's about to get funny, I can tell you now, because I don't think I'm on next week, so I, I, I don't give a fuck about your rules. I'm going to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not a number 10. Right. Uh, but I'm not on next week, so I'm not going to say it, so I'm going to fucking say it now. It's Andy Carroll, right? And hey! I'm two, <laughs> two out and out strikers, and I mean, because I'm, I'm going to ask you, yesterday's game wasn't very eventful, so can, can I just do a bit on this? Because I could fucking go on all night. Yes. I mean, Andy Carroll, I, 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 won't, I won't actually take too long, you know, I'm, um, hopefully. <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, I think the thing with Carroll is, um, it, it, yeah, I feel sorry for him more, mate, because I don't think he wanted to leave Newcastle. But by the time he got shipped out of Liverpool because we got Brendan Rodgers in, he decided to try a leg and he didn't want to leave Liverpool. So I feel a bit sorry for him, really. Um, he's kind of a victim of G- Gillette and Hicks because if, if it hadn't been for Gillette and Hicks, Fernando, we wouldn't have gone out of the Champions League and Fernando Torres wouldn't have gone to Chelsea and we wouldn't have been we wouldn't have had like £50 million pounds burning, a, burning a hole in our pocket on transfer deadline day. But it's one of the worst signings any club's ever made. Um, if he'd been an effective player, he would have been effective in a very ugly Liverpool team but he wasn't even effective because he brought other bad players to try and serve him and the problem with him is he's not a goal scorer you know he's he's like the ALS equivalent of a number 10 
he's, if you're Sam Allardyce, like he's, he's, he's your Philip Coutinho or your um, Messi. <laughs> he can play a bit. He can play a bit. Play off him in the final third, and yeah. he provides the assist. But he provides the assist from nine feet in the fucking air, and it was just calamitous. Thirty-five million fucking pounds for that. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was as I said, it set us back two years. Carol and everything that followed as a consequence of buying him. And we we could have been back in the fucking Champions League by now. We not bought. Anyway, that, that's about it for me, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Definitive there from James Owens. I, I feel like an, that was just an Andy Carroll just agenda you tried to do. <laughs> yeah, you, you're picking up on that as well. Yeah, that's exactly We're discussing centre-backs this week, yeah, but let me tell you about Andy Carroll. Good <laughs> <laughs> for centre-back, actually. Stephen Brown, you're called. Um, I've gone with Farron as well. Okay. He was... Oh, the, starting from the hair down was just cat. Yeah. I, I can't put it to words how bad he is he annoyed the shit out of me right okay, Just, okay. He, he bothered me he don't fucking I remember going to a game uh, I can't even remember what game it was and he came on Liverpool were winning came on for Torres and his first touch actually went over his own head from the ground the ball was played into his feet hmm. and whatever he'd done the ball ended up spinning back over his own head and he didn't mean it magician Just oh. Bear camp escalate but he didn't mean it. He went the other way. The ball went behind him and he went forward. It was... No, I just... Jesus Christ, now he was horrendous. Andy Young. Uh, best worst uh, striker, oh, Marty Antis. Yeah, Marty Antis, for me, seen to score goals for everyone except us. <laughs> so, so... I thought you would have went with uh, Littman and being under years as a number 10. Because um, he wasn't used. Yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely in the running all right, but no, I haven't... Uh, do you pick someone else ahead of Yari Littman? I'll first pick Mario Antis. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what just happened there, all right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil Casey, I'll bring you in even though you don't want that much, Steve. I, I want Andy's tip this week, but mine is Nigel Clough. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. He was brought in as 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 the true heir to Kenny Dalglish. He was to be. He was this wonderful English um, sort of number ten continental toil, number style nine. number nine. Know, yeah. Well, yeah, to be brought into you know to make to, to bring the second generation of, of the Liverpool team. <coughs> and to be honest with you, bar his debut, it never happened. Mm. It never ever happened. And it was he was like he's he's another one of those players that goes down in the Sunas area that just didn't happen mm. Paul Stewart and Nigel Clover on my side I'm, I'm, I've actually I had Mark Walters as well okay well I'll round it out with Andre Voronin as well and I'm not just going to talk any more about it because it's obvious uh, before we begin our post-mortem on the West Brom match we need to look back in the transfer window and what went so spectacularly wrong now Paul Major needed sterling work there monitoring what was going on monitoring being the key <laughs> word um, what were your immediate thoughts afterwards uh, given the lack of action well the immediate thoughts afterwards was can I have a pint and go to bed but yeah. <laughs> uh, on the transfer window itself um, yeah no it was a bit it was a big disappointment wasn't it I think it's weird I think we ended up saving us some sort of like online video based Samaritans for the vast majority of the Liverpool foundation and most of the people in the room were there a lot of people reaching out, reaching out Paul were they <laughs> looking for solace were they okay, you know, I've got <laughs> I've got to give something back, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But now it's, um, it was, it was disappointing. The way, the way it's disappointing. I think some people are absolutely distraught, and I don't get that. I think it's for me, and I, I always try to take a wider, you know, look at the, at the bigger picture because football, we get so bogged down in the, the here and now and the, and the immediacy of it all. 
it's one of them. It, look, if, if Jordan Ibe comes comes into the side at the end of the season and scores the goal and puts us in fourth place, mm. then I won't give a shit that we haven't signed anyone because it's meant he's had his chance. But ultimately, there were so many spaces in that. There's so many deficiencies in that squad. It seemed mental to me. I, with a week to go, I was saying, there's no way we're not signing someone. Mm. You know, there's, there's, there's no way. I couldn't fathom a, a situation where we wouldn't sign someone. So I was genuinely shocked when we when we actually didn't. It was mad. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are in that same situation. James Owens, what about yourself in terms of an immediate reaction to uh, the lack of activity? Um, well, I think we all thought for a while, didn't we? Um, you know, we were all looking at it pretty much in the moment of the day the last window closed because all we did really, we, we you know, we got in centre backs, we got in Victor Moses on loan. We thought, right, okay, there's money left there from the kind of the the, the twenty twenty five million we didn't spend in a marquee sign, and obviously minus the fact that we didn't sell Skirtle as we expected. So there's maybe fifteen million kicking around, and we're thinking, right, okay. A big push here to get players in for January to really kind of, uh, I know you said galvanise then, uh, to really yeah. kind of reinforce that kind of push for the top four. Um, and we've, I mean, you even hoped, you even sort of allowed yourself to hope we'd get people in early. And in the end, it's, oh, it's not happened. I mean, the slightly disconcerting thing is, OK, look, <clears throat> Salah, we probably pissed about too much and allowed Chelsea in. Uh, Conor Pianka, it looks like we've just been, we've been unfortunate to deal with an absolute prick of an owner, mm. basically. <laughs> And so what happens there, whether we go back or not? I mean, because from, from what, something doesn't add up there. I mean, from what's come out about, oh, we met the release clause. Well, why is it not happened then? I mean, is there not, is there not a potential legal challenge there from us or from the player? Mm. I don't know. So that, that's, that's strange. But I think we've, you know, regardless of the rights or wrongs of how we proceed, if we've got any kind of recourse to do that from here, we've been a bit unfortunate there to be dealing with, yeah, to, to, be, to be dealing with complete prick, I think, from the sounds of it. But... Mm. Yeah, and it, it, it looked, didn't it, James, as though there was a really uh, big push on from the club's point of view to try and just exonerate the club of any blame in this. Uh, Brendan yeah, talking in it about, about everybody being out there, basically the cook was out there, everyone from the club was yeah. out there. But I mean, what I, don't, what I don't get as well, obviously, well, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism of the fact that very, very quickly after the window closed, a video with Brendan Rodgers appears saying he's happy with the squad we've got, you know, with yeah. I'm sure we were still trying to sign the guy, but he probably. I mean, my, my attitude to that is, I mean, like, calm down a little bit because he's probably. There's always that possibility it doesn't happen, so he's probably been. He's recorded like you know answers to a question in, in preparation for that kind of eventuality. So he went over. Do you it's like who shot Mr. Burns, and they've got like all these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, multiple endings. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, basically, yeah. That's that's literally what it probably probably what it is. But I mean, but. The, the slightly more disconcerting thing is the fact that, I mean, well, look, I mean, Sunday's a classic example. I mean, Conor Bianca wouldn't have been ready anyway. He probably wouldn't have been registered in time and all that kind of thing. But we, we are in a situation where every good attacking player we've got is on the pitch. And, you, you know, one more from the bench to just impact the game, even if it was just to make the opposition shit themselves a bit, would help in a situation like we were in on Sunday. It wouldn't have helped this Sunday because I said Conor Bianca wouldn't have been ready. But in that sense, an attacking player would have helped. But generally speaking, you can afford to drop some points when you're trying to get in the top three or top four, and we do score for fun. What is slightly disconcerting is not going for a midfielder or a fullback, particularly when, I mean, the things I was hearing around people who kind of uh, have got some quite good contacts in and around the club when I was at the the deadline day thing with with Paul and the lads on Friday is Jose Enrique could be out quite a while longer. And I mean, fucking Ali Sissoko at left back, you know. Hmm. It's so, I mean, it's funnily enough, he actually got past his man once on Sunday, but he's so limited. And obviously then we've got, you know... Hearing other things, you hear very conflicting things about whether Johnson's going to be back soon or whether he is out indefinitely. So to not kind of go for a fullback if it's that bad, it's more just it's more worrying that we kind of yeah didn't seem to go for a fullback or a midfielder as well. So the only consolation, I mean, I will wrap up on this now, is 
the teams around us generally have done little or nothing either. You know, Everton have brought in the scene of Traore. Um, you know, if, if he's going to do us now, it's not going to be by scoring against us unless it's in the cup. So that's, you know, yeah. wouldn't worry too much about that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, now the United have brought in Matter, which, hey, he could go and work miracles, but they've, it's not done anything about central midfield. It's not done anything about an ageing defence either. So, and the other thing with all this is, and, you know, this is relevant to the result yesterday as well, we are at least a team in possession as far as fourth place is concerned. If we're not unduly unlucky with injuries, we might get away with it, but it is a bit of a gamble. Yeah. definitely a gamble, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Andy Young, your thoughts on that being a, a bit of a gamble, the, the strategy that we seem to be following with our transfers. What do you think? Yeah, well, I wasn't I wasn't terribly pissed off not signing Kalaplianka because I'd never heard of him, you yeah, know. Yeah. And that's I was just putting it in perspective, like to sign him or not sign him, like, it, it, they weren't addressing what everybody seems to see is the real problem, and that's the fullback. So, like, I think it's an almighty gamble now, kind of relying on Sissoko now, and what if he picks up a knock or Flano gets another knock? Mm. Like, I think that's the the real root of the problem now. Gerard seems to put in two decent performances at defensive midfield. Maybe he can do a job there, but again, you just prefer the cover there given the injuries you've had in midfield as well. Mm. So I'd be more pissed off with that than the fiasco that went on transfer deadline day. Like you can nearly make a film out of it, like yeah. in there over there and fucking Dana Pro owner saying, Listen, uh, just yeah, leave, yeah, the, yeah, leave, yeah. The, leave the money in uh, unmarked banknotes in a briefcase <laughs> in the subway. And <laughs> like that there, there's a valid question Have we got the money back? <laughs> we probably have no transfer yeah. budget now for the summer now. Yeah, it's like, yeah. can we have the money back? What would you'd, lo- like, you'd love to actually see what went on in the room, like, you know, fucking in there, gallivanting around the world on jollies, like, and doing <laughs> fuck all, really. Like, it's crazy, really. Yeah. Think about it. Right, well, let's get away from the, the, the depressing subject of what didn't happen and look on to the depressing subject of what did happen, and that's the West Brom Liverpool <laughs> match at the weekend. How appropriate it was, it was Groundhog Day over the weekend, yet another disjointed performance in which we struggled to find a rhythm. And an individual defensive mistake seemed to cost us. Our away form is a bit of a concern at the moment. Liverpool holding one of the worst away records in the league, but we remain fourth, so there may yet be a happy ending. We better start, I suppose, with the manager's performance because we tend to. A bit of the old bipolar Brendan going on here over the last two fixtures. Um, he got it spectacularly right against Everton. Seemed to get it quite wrong against West Brom. Is that fair, uh, would you say? Uh, I'll come to you, Stephen Brown. Um, uh... I know after watching the Everton game, we all said that's a tactical victory for Brendan Rodgers over Martinez because it was clever, it was smart, it was the way we should have set up in the game. Yesterday was completely the opposite. It was just as if he tried to outthink himself. <clears throat> I know at one stage it was a 3-1-4-1-1. I don't even know. It was Everything was just all over the place. Um, there was one set where Gerrard played excellently as... I, we discussed this. I thought he played excellently for the first 60 minutes. The lads say he played excellently for the full 90. He was doing the role that he was specifically asked to do yesterday. Mm. Um, just seemed to fall apart around him. Henderson was anonymous second half. Mm. Um, but, but we, com- just, there was, we just didn't start the game. But coming back to the manager specifically and where he got it right and where he got it wrong, <clears> did uh, would you have an issue with how he laid out the team to start the game? No, because it was the same team that played on Tuesday. But it, it, that, the, okay. the difference was that West Brom were never going to come at us like Everton did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should have been the same personnel with possibly different formations. Mm-hmm. Now, Rogers, the formation Rogers went with yesterday, looking back in hindsight, obviously didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard to say what he could have done, what he should have. Maybe it was four three. It was the, it was the time to go four three three. But then again, could we got caught in the middle? It's it's it, it's a. 
kind of hemming and hawing over what to do, what's the best option. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it uh, doesn't uh, seem to work at all. Fair enough. Uh, Andy, you've got seems, yeah, it just seems to be a bit of a downfall for Rogers. Once something worked, comes off once, it has to go into the next game. Absolute has to. Like, yeah. it's a, every time he gets a win out of trying something new, it has to go into the next game. Now, like, we can all stand here and say that uh, if you had to play it 4 3 3, it would have come off, but like, on reflection, uh. Liverpool against Everton, they were they were ruthless. Like Martinez' famous quote, "We you know we lost the game trying to win the game." Well, that wasn't the case with West Brom. They just tried to get in our faces and, and and get something out of the game. You know, the odds stacked against them. But Rodgers went to a formation that was specifically for counter attacking. Now it wasn't going to really happen that way against West Brom, and I, I felt that. Uh, Coutinho should have come out of the team and Allen into the team and start controlling games like they have done previously, like mm. with three in the middle, and then let the lads do what they do best up top and and score goals, and then and then have three in the middle who are capable of keeping the ball. Like Coutinho was brilliant against Everton, but just kind of seemed to go back to his old self, or maybe the game just didn't suit him against West Brom, and maybe a change earlier on. Bring, I think Allen yeah, came on yeah. around seventy-two minutes or something like that. If you had done that at half time. You know, because you knew West Brom were going to change something, you know, because mm. they were going down. Mm. But Liverpool were going to keep going the way they were going. So, on reflection, I think he should have played, but maybe he's thinking of the Arsenal game and doing the same 4-2-3-1 again against them. So, mm. you can't really blame him either, but that's just that's just sort of, if it could be critical, it's it's that. It's you know? that, yeah. But it's it's just cutting in, Andy, I, I agree in terms of... Um, He's good. Uh, he likes to play. If something co- happens, he likes to do it again. And if it works again, he'll use it again. Mm. And for me, I've looked at it and, and, and like the way we set up on Everton, he actually slightly changed it because Coutinho wasn't doing as much of the doggies as he did against Everton on Tuesday night. And he seemed to be playing more in the in, in a ten role, effectively behind the, the front three. Um, and it was more of a, a diamond at the top of the pitch than say lower down the actual pitch itself. And I thought for myself, I, I thought Henderson really struggled. And if, if if we're talking about changes, I, I potentially would have taken Henderson off and brought Joe Allen on. Henderson and, looked leggy, I and think. dropped brought Coutinho back in back into the midfield. Mm. Because it just seems to, to stand again. We've got standard substitutions that he likes to make. Coutinho always seems to come off, um, when in fact we were pushing for a goal. And if you want the player there to open things up, Coutinho can provide that moment of magic. I'd, I'd, I'd probably rate Coutinho's chances of making something happen higher than say Henderson's. It's a common criticism. I don't think his in-game management is that great. We, we ha- you said what what happened with his in-game management last week when we were when we were reviewing the actual derby, mm. and I said there was no in-game management for the derby because. He didn't need in-game management. He needed in-game management on Sunday, and I thought, again, it was a, it was a little bit lacking. Um, as Andy said, I would have made the change at half-time. Our midfield didn't look right at half-time. The only one that was functioning in that midfield was Steven Gerrard, because he was playing exactly how he was meant to play. Yeah. Uh, Paul Machen, fair to criticise Rodgers on his, uh, his approach to the match, or was it more simply the personnel letting him down on the day, do you think? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, it seemed obvious that he was good. The team really didn't it, but I think obviously with that you couldn't you can't say with any certainty, can you? But I think for me it was a matter of intensity more than the players in the system. I think you know the players that we've got out there that we should have been we should have been pressing more in the first half. We should have been putting them under under more pressure. But I agree on Henderson. He, he looked he looks jaded at the minute. He looks like he's, he he needs a rest. And as we got into second half, Coutinho was exactly the same. And you know that's that's essentially depending on what the formation is. That's you know pretty much two or three midfielders yeah. who are you know uh, you know have got no legs left in them after sixty minutes. And that's that's a major that's the major concern. It's it's strange. I think if it come a week later, 
and Joe Allen probably would have started started that game for maybe for Henderson it would have given us a little bit more. As, as I say, I don't I don't know that it's necessarily we made it we made a glaring mistake of what we did, but it's the fact is those players you put out on that pitch should be able to go to West Brom and win. I mean the only counterpoint to that, and I think it's something Rogers mentioned himself, is that you know we got beat there last season, and you know on, on the on the balance of things, I've seen us I've seen us having conceded having conceded the equaliser. I've seen so many Liverpool sides over the years completely capitulate, and we we managed to not quite do that. This is this is me desperately trying to fill half a glass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you understand. <laughs> I think that it, it, I think the players thought similar to Bournemouth in some respects. It felt a bit like we'd gone out there and said, oh, "Look, we'll be all right. We'll just get through one. We'll get a goal, and then we'll just be fine." You know, a goal should be enough to win this game for us. And 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 on any other day, I mean, I know Mignolet makes a great save. But on any other day, Colo Torre does not pass it straight mm. to Victor and the TV. And we go on and win that game. And we're all talking about what a, what a, just a, a functional, solid, solid win we got there. But, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Fair enough. Well, let's take it from the general into more specific areas of the team. And James Owens, can I ask you on this? Um, the cock up between Mignolet and Torre, is that, was that just, was it a one off or is it indicative of something that, 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 that's sort of an issue? This idea of playing from the back, is that, is that to be admired at all times or is, are there, are there uh, times in where you just clear your lines? Um, what, what was your take on that? Well, I mean, just b- b- before I do that, I mean, a quick point just on the, the, the game generally yesterday and, you know, the debate as to whether or not we kind of got it wrong tactically. There's, there's maybe an argument for some of that, but I mean, more than anything, I think it was just a very, very lackluster game. Just right, crowd, crowd were very subdued. That shouldn't, that's, that's a completely relevant thing to particularly as the away team. But I thought it was just poor from both teams. There was, I mean, can you think of one good attacking thing we did with the exception of the chance that Foster saves from Suarez and the goal? Very, very little. It was, yeah. I mean, Sterling had a, you know, a, a good game, but obviously in terms of our actual, you know, cohesive passages of attacking football, there was very, very little from either team. And it was, um, you know, even like, you know, West Brom's set piece deliveries were awful. Both teams were poor. And I think, you know, obviously we've gifted it to West Brom a bit with the mistake. I mean, the, 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 the most outstanding <clears throat> uh, the most outstanding kind of um, aspect of either performance from either team was was uh, West Brom's cynicism. I, I quite admired it. I thought they were, they were brilliant. And, you know, with just the kind of rotation of foul. I think there were four or five players booked in the end, didn't they? And they're fouling and just some of the tactical fouls it's all brilliant. Did four players they, book just for foul on Sterling, yes? Yeah, yeah. And just, they, mm. they, they just spoiled really, really well. I was quite impressed with that. Do you know, on that, James, one of the things yeah. that I was really impressed with was uh, the the focus uh, for, for 20 minutes was on Jakob, right? And the referee looked at Jakob and Jakob played up, if, if that was intended... He, yeah. he he got all the attention brought on to himself. The referee then spent most of the time looking at Jakob to see if he's making any more fouls, you know, to give him more warnings. It just took the yeah. and it allowed Malumbu and the other players to actually go around and make as many fouls as they want. To, to be totally yeah. honest, like they actually got yeah. more fouls in because of it, you know. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't put that kind of cynicism past him, and I'm not saying that in a critical way. I'm saying that out of admiration because yeah. I think it's still something we're not as as good at as we need to be. Particularly if we, you know, if we do go on actually and finish in the top four and we get into the Champions League. Um, we need to we need to be a lot better at that kind of thing because I don't I don't think it's something we excel at and it would you know as much from as much as the fact that we've got possibly the best aggregate of any team in the world in terms of the combined ability of our, of our best and our second best striker which will always help you win games even when you don't play well we, we need to, we need to improve at that kind of thing um, but I mean with with regard to the Mimini and Torre I mean I said 
um, you know, West Brom dominated the ball early on yesterday. I mean, I said at one point, we, we've got a bit of a problem here in that we've got a couple a couple of lads too many at the back who shit themselves in possession of the ball. Mm-hmm. Minilay's not great. I mean, look, the, 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 thing, the thing with Minilay is overall, he's, he's, a, he's a significant upgrade on Rainer because of just his ability to actually, you know, stop goals. Um, but he's, you know, he's uh, he's not. I, I think I think Napoli would be happily taking Minilay at this stage. Well, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, the, the, the problem with that is, you know, are we going to offload Rainer without having to pay a chunk of his wages because he's not done too well out there? Yeah. But I mean, in answer to the point about the defence, um, you know, Flanagan's. Uh, I don't think it's even technical ability so much as just a lack of pace that limits Flanagan with the ball. Well, uh, James, talk to me specifically about the, the central partnership. I know you've got uh, str- yeah, strong enough uh, ideas about I mean, this. obviously, we're without, we're without two good options to centre back. They're two options we wouldn't use together in in in, in uh, Agger and Sacco because we've not. And obviously, it seems as though Rogers has got the kind of uh, the reservations about it with him being two left footers. But I mean, um, Torre. Yeah, I know, I know Phil thinks that obviously playing left sided centre back doesn't help him. You know, he, he may well have a point, but his, his form hasn't been. As good. I mean, even even against Everton, he wasn't one of the better performers on a night where everybody played reasonably well. Mm. And I think um, the slight concern there, and this isn't really so much the mistake. I mean, it's not very good. And I think I think Rogers has come out and sort of hinted at blaming Minule, saying he shouldn't receive the ball there, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. We're obviously, you know, we, we they're not they're not the most to- toys about the best back five on the ball. You know, Sissoko's hopeless on the ball, and it's it's not easy when you haven't got very good outlets at fullback in possession. I mean, Torres made the mistake. And obviously we pay for it. Well, these these things happen. I mean, statistically, we make a lot of those with the ball. I know it's something Dan Kennett talks about a lot. You know, everyone will know Dan Kennett from Twitter and various podcasts and the Tomkins Times. But with the thing, the thing that concerns me with it is Torres' Torres' level has dropped. And yeah, you know, he's obviously a great dressing room figure. He's won titles, but again, looking ahead, because yesterday it's poor. It's not the end of the world. We're still in possession of fourth place. If we go on and actually finish it in fourth, and we end up in the Champions League. Can we afford, with possibly a sixty-game season, to be in a situation where, look, Skirtle may go? We, should, we ought to be thinking: is, is Skirtle's done well? But we ought to be thinking we can upgrade at right centre back. Yeah. You've got to be looking at getting in one right centre back. But do you want to go and buy a dedicated backup then? Because if you do, well, that, that's a lot of expenditure for a player who might not play a lot. Um, but alternatively, you could be in a situation where your backup is Torre, who is possibly falling off, falling off, you know, falling down a hill ability-wise with age. And the other alternatives are kind of Illorian Wisdom back off loan, who uh, would be going in probably a bit wet, wet behind the ears, really, in terms of experience at that level issue, though. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Andy, um, let's move it away from the centre halves at the moment and, and go to an issue that Paul touched on there was the sort of relative fatigue that was evident in some of the players. Um, Henderson certainly looked to be a little bit off colour. I've heard people say, I think fair enough, that Suarez looked a little bit off uh, and could possibly do with a rest as well. Um, what would be your take on that, especially in the midfield area? Um, I suppose there couldn't be two more contrasting games, like going from the derby under the lights at Anfield, screaming crowd, and to Sunday morning straight out of scratcher onto the pitch. <laughs> away game against West Brom like you know you can't like I mean they're human beings they can't get themselves up for that kind of game and, and the point uh, Paul made there about kind of the Bournemouth kind of uh, mentality maybe they thought that they'll just see this game game out you know and that was there like it was very pedestrian kind of like a little bit of hodgeball going on and it was just you know, <laughs> it was just a, Sorry? Hmm. Said, said no, just I'm actually in a Hodgson voice, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, 
<laughs> even even I'm watching a game and my wife walks in and says, "Is they playing very slow today?" And I said, "If you can see that." Yeah, you know, yeah. it was it was quite clear. Like it was, you know, a big difference in the tempo and how much. And look, it's not really a decision when it comes to that. You get up for our games when it's huge, like, yeah. and again, they're human beings. Like it's just it's an effect that it has in your body. It's not just it's not just oh, it's only West Brom. Like, look, I mean, they nearly did. They nearly did come away there with it with a point or with three points that would have been as satisfying as the derby. We would have said, oh, look, they played shit. And they've come away with three points, and we would have been all like thinking that's a great part of learning, like for the team because they can win one 0 Like I don't think we've had that really yeah. all season. The ugly win, you know. The, yeah. Yeah. And I mean that, like it's great when they're scoring goals for fun, but that would have been nice just to come away there. And only for Torres catastrophic error. Like I mean, okay, like it'd be boring if we just slaughtered them all night. Like he was brought in. Um, as the player who you would expect that the least from, like, all his experience, you know, going back to the goalkeeper was absolutely on. They did a fucking 99 times during the game. Why not do it that extra time? He said, and he said, to, to, in his fairness, he said he doesn't see an HB. He said he didn't see an HB behind Gerard. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and, and like that, we've seen Gerard do something similar with yeah, Henri on a couple did, of occasions. Did, yeah. And yeah. If, he, if he doesn't see an HB, like it's it's very hard to castigate him over the pass. All it is is that yes, it descends. An easier thing would be to go back to Mignolet, but he's had to pass his on. Like it's it, you know it's one of those things that he thinks is on. Yeah, but even if you give that ball in there, it just uh, it makes it very difficult for whoever was receiving the ball, be it Jared or Skirtle or whoever, um, to look up then and and, and uh, control the ball and, and pick it. Like he would have been putting him under serious pressure. And we have we've across the back. Like you've got generally. You've got four players who are shitting themselves, are very, very hesitant on the ball. Mm. Like Torre, I'm actually surprised. Like, I mean, obviously, we've all watched Torre when he's played for Arsenal City and whoever, but I never realised how hesitant and how indecisive he was. Like, even his ball over the top in the Everton game, it was just like, oh shit, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, he's very hesitant and it very rarely kind of gives the early ball and some of his runs and he kicked the ball out of play. Like, I mean, they're all capable. Uh, Sissoko runs the ball out as well. Like, they're all very hesitant. They're not sure of themselves in the ball and I think Skirtle's probably gone through one of his best uh, run of form in the team in a long time Like, but he normally is quite hesitant on the ball again mm. so don't pass it to fucking players who are quite hesitant at the back mm. and, and I know Mingale is not much better mm. but just touch it back to him and and let him pump it forward because yeah. that's what he did for the whole fucking game anyway yeah in fairness uh, Paul Machen speaking about defence for a second and keeping it going there uh, Stephen Gerrard basically played as a third centre half for an awful lot of that match as he has done on a regular basis um, in this uh, defensive midfield role he's often there splitting the two of them the most uh, deep of the players um, I thought yesterday he seemed quite competent provided a very good shield um, but was there something to be said that his position maybe dragged the, the play a little bit deeper dragged the whole team back a bit what, what was your take on that? Um, I, I, it's not something I noticed. I mean, I, I don't know. It's uh, what I noticed about Stephen Jared in that position is that he didn't look like a total fucking liability, which was nice. Um, yeah, fair. because it makes a because against Aston Villa, he did. He looked completely out of his depth, and that was a that was a major worry to me. And we were talking like we were talking on on, on Redman like the week after. Like, is this experiment over? Is it a complete failure? And then he goes and has a worldie against Everton, and then I actually thought of the of of everyone on that pitch 
I think he was the only one who, who totally carried this form on from Everton into that game. That first half, I thought he was excellent. I, I don't know. It's not. It's not. Maybe it's just that I don't. Maybe I don't watch football that way. But I, I, did, I didn't. I didn't notice that in particular. I just looked like he was just doing it. So he looked like he, he looked like he was doing what Lucas was doing, except just with a, a bit more. I don't know. A bit more culture to it, which is fine as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as your concerns, it's a success, and you're happy enough to see him there and continue there. Yeah, well, you know, we were we were all panicking for a, and clamouring for a defensive midfield cover, and I still think in the summer it needs to be addressed definitely. But if Gerard can put in performances like, see, I mean, it's I, I don't know if it's just second half performance as such because we were just terrible in general. But his you know his his whole performance against Everton and his first half performance against West Brom, if he can do that and he can keep up that level of intensity in the games and not switch off like I've seen him do a few times. Um, and he gets stuck in. Yeah, he's, he's he'll be fantastic, and he, he'll be a great option to have, mm. even for a few more for a few more seasons in there. Absolutely. Um, just on that, Trev, just to come yeah. in, and, and it boils back to the Henderson point. I think if you look at the, the real difference between Everton and um, West Brom in terms of energy that we have on the pitch, right? Henderson, who looks who, who didn't have a particularly good game yesterday stops being an outlet for Gerard when he's on the ball. So when Gerard drops in between the, and the two centre-backs split and he gets the ball there, his next ball he's looking to go is either Henderson or Coutinho, which he was able to do against Everton. So when, they, when Everton attacked and we went to counter, he had two options to give the ball to. Now, Coutinho played that little bit further forward, so he wasn't a real option for when, when Gerard got the ball. And Henderson didn't seem to be taking up you know, good open positions to, get, to receive the ball from Gerard to, get, to, to make the move happen again. And I think, again, that, that's a bit of tiredness. So while Gerard was doing his role as he should have been, um, I thought Henderson, in a way, wasn't playing, wasn't as effective in his, in, in the actual role in midfield, the shuttler as, as as he should have been there, and even down to the Torre uh, mistake that happens, he doesn't have an option in front of him in centre midfield to go into. Like naturally, he's on the ball, he looks up to, to see who's in centre midfield, and nobody is dropping to receive the ball or looking to receive the ball in centre midfield. So now he's only got three options: he can either go to a full back to his goalkeeper or go across the skirtle. He thinks skirtle is on, and he goes to play the ball off. A big issue there is that if our centre mids aren't open and willing to receive the ball, and we're trying to play out from the back, then, as Andy says, if if if, if you're going to players who are less than comfortable on the uh, in terms of taking possession as it is, you can have these mistakes happen. And I'm actually surprised since Rogers has taken over, we haven't had more of those type of goals being given away from us. Because the only other one I can really think of is when Skirtle yeah. went to go back to Reina in the very first game, yeah, the home match against City, and, and Tevez nipped in for the Does, Doesn't it show very much how central Jordan Henderson is? Though I remember I had this exact discussion with somebody after the uh, the Villa match that if the kid is off colour, then our whole system kind of breaks down. And that's that. That was when I was talking earlier in terms of. Uh, because Henderson wasn't playing well and, and didn't play well, too well in the first half, mm. I, I really would have I, I wouldn't have had an issue had had Brendan gone and taken Henderson off at half time and brought Joe Allen in just to, because to give him forty five minutes ahead of Arsenal mm. to put more energy into that midfield and Allen naturally does that type of role as well. He will always drop and make himself available for, for that pass yeah, from the back. This forward. comes back to a transfer window failure of not actually not. Uh, not getting another centre midfielder in. We're, we're now stuck with Lucas out of injury. We now have but Alan three centre midfielders. Any centre midfielder would have bought on Trent for deadline day, he wouldn't have been able to play against West Brom. So it's, it's, that's no, not it's, gonna, it's systematic. It's going to keep happening because of the fact that we don't have the numbers to rest players. 
Jordan, Jordan Henderson's going to have to play on Sunday or Saturday against Arsenal. There's no question of it. Like. But that's that's like again, he he could have taken him off and brought Joe Allen. That's like we had enough players there on Saturday. It wasn't that we were missing a, a, a centre midfielder on the bench. We actually had two with Alberto and, and Joe Allen. There. Phil, I'm curious. You said about um, the substitution would possibly have been better to take Henderson off, who was at his less than effective, uh, and and maybe leave Coutinho on. Um, did you not think in the in the game itself that Coutinho's intensity, uh, a word that's been mentioned a couple of times, was was, was pretty uh, dialed down? Yeah, my my only rationale on it is that if you aren't going to bring Luis Alberto in, who is also that type of creative. Um, yeah. Ten type yeah. player, right? To to open things up for the last fifteen twenty minutes. Because we're chasing again. Because we're chasing. Yeah. We're, we're looking to get the win here. We're looking to put three points on the board, right? Then in in that instance, I think Coutinho could provide more in that time span than <coughs> say <coughs> Henderson would have. Um, and that's why for me, if you're going to take Coutinho, I would possibly it would have been Alan uh, Alan and Alberto to come in for Coutinho and Henderson and just give more legs in, in that sentiment because neither of them came on during the week as well you're, you're, you're actually upping the tempo again in, in, by making a substitution like that yeah, fair enough. to be honest Phil I think Coutinho just became quite pointless in the game like having Alan Henderson and Gerrard in the middle might have brought the game forward and out from the back a bit more because they could just keep keep the ball there's enough creative players up front with Sturridge, Suarez and Sterling you know in that game I just felt Coutinho was so much out of it Especially after around you know twenty minutes, he kind of started well. He was pointless in the game, and I think like a bit more control in midfield could have brought us out and just put a bit more press. It would have been easier, like physically easier. Mm. So your your point is that the change was too late. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of concur with that myself. Um, James Owens, why is it that uh, we have games like this one day? The three two all draws, the away games at Swansea and Newcastle, the two all at home to Villa. Why is it that we seem to struggle with there's, when there's time left in the match to actually pull on this pressure that's needed and get the result? As I said, it doesn't help that all our best attacking players usually start the game. Now, what, don't get me wrong, you know, you'd, usually, you'd usually pick the best players you've got, but um, what we've got is a situation. I, the, I, you know, the amount of times I've said this on this podcast is unbelievable, but after the, after the kind of two or three best attacking players, you've got a big drop-off. Yeah. What you really want is you want at least one of the very good attacking players you can't quite fit into a, a, a kind of a workable system. Um, and then that way, you know, if someone's not having a great day or, or you kind of need a bit of impetus, you know, you can either take one attacker off and put another on. Or if you need a bit of impetus and you need to just kind of like chance your arm, you mm. can you can just kind of be a bit more gung-ho and, you know, you take a defender or a midfielder off, you know, sort of <laughs> 101. So, so basically, what, reason, but, no, basically what you're saying is, and it's, it's probably the, the key idea is that it boils down to lack of options and lack of, uh, you know, incisive options from the yeah, bench. Yeah, yeah, and, poss- and possibly too many kind of like bets, bets hedged yeah. on uh, gambles, well not gamble, well fairly expensive kind of gambles if you like on potential yeah. at a time when we, we've not really got the kind of budget where we can afford that. And On the other hand, I suppose, you know, obviously the thing people keep saying, and I, th- I think not without merit because I've said it myself, is... You know, 21 million, 21 million, 21, 22 million pounds goes in Elori, uh, Iago Aspas, and Luis Alberto in the summer. Now, Elori could be great in, I don't know, maybe a year, two years. Uh, Luis Alberto could be. I'm a bit less convinced, though, to be honest, because I think, you know, he's not really getting on in games when when we're looking to kind of try, try and change it. Newcastle's the one exception. Uh, and then I think you've got. You know, obviously, Aspas, I can forgive. It's 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 a, it's a mid-priced kind of punt. Fifteen million on two players who are never going to contribute much this season. Mm. It's dubious. On the other hand, I suppose you could look at it and say in the summer, well, we did try and go and pay twenty twenty-five million pounds for an attacking player, and we couldn't attract 
anyone who you'd pay that kind of price for because they wouldn't come to the club. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's one aspect. But then, you know, so we, we've not really got that much of a bench. But then I suppose there's also, I mean, does that also affect kind of the application of some of the players on the pitch sometimes? Because they're not thinking, well, if we get to 65 here and I've not really contributed much and we're not, we, we haven't broke the deadlock, I could get hooked. Yeah, but well, that, that's... Maybe, maybe there is a tactical issue. I mean, I remember at Newcastle particularly, we're, you know, we're, we're, we got a man advantage. We were very, very ponderous and lethargic in our play. So at times it has been an issue. And there obviously wasn't much emphasis yesterday. But yeah, I think the, the lack of depth is, is definitely a big part of it. Yeah, well, look, to, to maybe try and finish on a slightly upbeat note, uh, Paul Machen, one of the, one of the highlights of, of the match was the performance of, of Raheem Sterling, who's, mm. uh, well, I've, I've written down here on the, on the agenda that he's become undroppable. But basically anyone who's fit is undroppable at the moment. But what what would you think about uh, his rate of progress and, and his his first team position? He's um, oh, he's just he's astonishing, isn't he? It's 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 sort of like I think I said this on our match reaction the other day. It's like he just woke up one morning and was like, oh shit, yeah, I'm boss, aren't I? You know what I mean? Like it all been a, like it all like the last year it all been a dream. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was he in the shower with Colo? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, but it's this. It's like because everyone's everyone's creaming over Yanazai and Andy and uh, 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 this 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 kid coming through, and you know everyone's forgotten completely just how good Raheem Sterling can be. And to be honest, I, I was you know well I, I never I, I'll never write anyone off conclusively like because you're only ever ninety minutes away from being a hero are you, in football. But mm. I, I think at the start of the season we were looking around and going yeah he's got to go on loan. At the very least, can't see him really. I can't see him really making at the highest, the highest level. Doesn't have the application. It's not where where's his best position, etc., etc. No, he's been a fucking revelation for the last what probably two months now. He's had a, starting to add assists, looking increasingly dangerous in front of goal. He looks like he he believes that he can beat any man in a one on one. I mean, literally, just like. He picks it up and it's it literally, it, you know what I, I compared it to? No, just to drop a random reference in, I always compared to the bit in The Incredibles where the where Dash the boy runs on water and he's running and he looks down and he realises that's how good he is. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that's, <laughs> and that's what, that's what Sterling's like at the minute. It's like he's gone. I can just, all I have to do is accelerate, drop the shoulder and accelerate and I'll beat anyone. And he does. It's, it's phenomenal. And you can tell just how worried West Brom were by the fact that they just decided to try and boost him up in the air and, yeah, it's, it, clubs than that have tried and, and, and failed, and so you know it's going to happen a lot. But I think he's got the mental, he's got the mental toughness and the surprise amount of physical toughness to get him through. It's a good shout, that Paul. The the the, the strength that he's starting to show now. We're seeing less and less those little flailing kind of Tyrannosaurus arms as well, aren't we? When he's when he's trying to chink <laughs> past people, he's he's literally bombing past people. He's he's throwing his arse out and knocking people over, and, and, and you know he he looks he looks he looks at almost the finished article. Andy Young, your your thoughts yeah, on starting? I'm delighted. Uh, um, uh, how Sterling has come on leaps and bounds um, like like uh, Paul there I did kind of start to write him off and kind of figure with myself maybe we won't see the best out of Sterling until he's around 22 or 3 when he matures a bit like and we're always going to see this now obviously time will tell like you know he could have a dip in form again but the way he's playing at the moment it's 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 I'm just delighted for the kid because it, it was it was quite heartbreaking to think that we've a player coming through that's possibly going to Set the set the Premier League alight and then just fails, but now we're starting to be show that promise he's shown in the youth and um, Rogers has gone on record many times saying he used to get you know he gives him a hard time like and he's given him a hard time but uh, Sterling seems to have benefited from that now and I think uh, Rogers is starting to give him the call you know that arm around the the shoulder and tell him he's 
He's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was and, uh, waiting, I was just waiting for that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's just, uh, you know, he's just, he, I'm, I'm delighted for him now, I have to say, like, you know, because he's got so much talent, it, it's, you hate when you see it wasted. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Thanks, yep, yep, nice positive way to end the, uh, the review. Right, so we move on to a preview then of Liverpool versus Arsenal on Saturday coming. Uh, changes may be the order of the day. If Sacco, as rumoured, is fit, would you put him straight in? Are there any other changes that are crying out to be made, do you think? And if so, what are those changes? Um, Andy Young, I'll come to you first on this. Um, Sacco, um, Mishuin, if he's fit? Absolutely. Um, just Torre is far choice for me, so whoever's fit ahead of him plays, basically. So anyone, Agar, Sacco is fit to come in. Simple as that. Um, I just think he's far too hesitant on the ball, and Sacco could be good, like because he 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 kind of he kind of can kind of trust him on the ball, like yeah. you know, being games he's completing ninety passes and stuff, like yeah. it's cre- incredible. Like for a player who doesn't really look that competent on the ball, he's very effective and picks out his man perfectly. So I definitely uh, definitely have him come in. Um, you'd you'd have to play uh, three three central midfielders as well, and and uh, leave Coutinho out. I yeah. think. Um, you know, getting control of this game or as much control as possible is imperative. So I'd have Alan come into the team along with Henderson and Gerard. Okay, and uh, obviously the front picks itself, it stays the same, sadly, because we've got no. The front choice. three, uh, you, you know, you can rely on um, Sterling to work back, Henderson to give storage if storage going to play as wide, or, you know, you're seeing storage and uh, Suarez mixing it about, going left and central. Uh, you've give Henderson to cover, which you know the weakness there because they're not going to come and track back. But um, you know you can rely on uh, Sterling, especially like he finds himself in a right full position so often and does it so effectively. You know, there's an argument to play him right full yeah. at times because yeah. you know it's carrying the ball ability over the back is excellent as well. Yeah, um, go back to the front. So uh, absolutely, yeah. Just just try and get as much control in that midfield and. Maybe not change the the shape too much, but just have one maybe one of the boys sit up on top on their own, but like just the change in the very in the middle of the park. Coutinho, Coutinho for me, just it might be pointless. Okay, okay. James Owens, um, we'll start with the defence and, and your thoughts about how that might change. I presume you'd be in agreement with Sacco coming in if it's possible. So the, the, there seems to be a suggestion, doesn't there, that Sacco would will actually be fit? Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen those yeah. as well. I think if that were the case, yeah, you'd bring him back in. Um, you know, they, they, they did enough against Everton on a, on a night when the whole team worked well, but, you know, Torre and Sacco, the Torre and Skirtle aren't the most, haven't been the most convincing partnership overall. Um, I mean, if, what's, I think there's the slightly less chance that Alan will make it, I think, isn't there? Am I right in saying that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing, you know, is, is the lack of depth there. Once you've got a couple of injuries, really, you're struggling because... Um, it would be nice to have the option to say, right, okay, Arsenal, they're a strong team, they've got a lot of a lot of talent in the midfield area, they retain the ball well. Get you know, get get three, you know, kind of orthodox central midfielders out there to kind of compete and be disciplined. And you maybe, you know, Alan having been out for sort of a month or more, you know, pretty five, six weeks now, you perhaps give him sixty five minutes and then if if the game's in the balance and we're we're you know, we're trying to push for a goal to win it. You give Coutinho 25 minutes in which you say, right, you know, go and do damage. Because I think in that sense, you know, even in that same sort of shape, that could work well. But I don't, you know, perhaps we haven't got that option. Again, that's the, one of the limitations of the lack of depth we've got. Once you've got injuries, and we've not had the best of luck with injuries this season, 
you're asking people to play a full 90 minutes and there's not really the scope there to change attack the importance of the kind of the game situation. So, sure, um, sure. So the, 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 kind of, we're, we're picking who's fit, aren't we? I mean, we know we're yeah. going to have limited options of fullback. So yeah, yeah. The, con- the conversation basically basically begins and ends with the same point that we, we pick the best players available and there are a few of them. Paul Machen, can I ask you if you've seen these tweets from Cafu today, have you? Uh, in relation, in relation to Flano, have you seen these? Yeah, yeah. When he calls him, he says he's been referred to as Red Cafu. Red, Red Cafu. <laughs> I, I have fan tweets who say Red Cafu is Flanagan at Liverpool. I must watch more Premier League to see both. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna, I love I love John Flanagan, but he's going to be very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking. Love, you know what? Same. I really wish. I really, you know, because I I I, I had to do. I, I genuinely love John Flanagan. I think he's brilliant. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I love I love his endeavour. I love the way. He, I just I just love him. I think he's a, he's a smashing little player. Yes. But I I really wish he was the scouse Cafu. I really wish it wasn't like slightly tongue in cheek. I want Cafu to come down and you know and see him and be thrilled by him. But I don't think, I don't I don't think that he will. <laughs> Why we have you on the line? Well, let's go to the other side of the fence and uh, uh, a subject of uh, uh, sorry, a player who's been a subject of much discussion here is 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 old Ali on the other side. How did you feel he got on the last day um, uh, against West Brom? Uh, Ali Sissoko is literally I think every Liverpool side has got to have a, a scapegoat in it uh, because you've got to have someone that you can just hang all your, your, your ire and, and fury on and obviously Torre took most of it at the weekend um, I think Sissoko's alright are you happy with him going forward? are you happy with him going forward? I can't sit here and extol you know these, these mass virtues like you yeah. know what I mean because he's not he's, he's, he's a very average footballer from what I've seen yeah. but Equally, I, I th- I've seen some. I've seen some shocking Liverpool players. I've seen some shocking left backs over the years, and I don't think he, I don't think he's as bad as everyone makes out. I just think he's average. I, I've said this on our show plenty of times. I think on his best, on his very best days, he's seven out of ten. Yeah. And on his, but, he, but on his worst days, he's maybe a five or a six. And I think he's he's a very just he just steady enough, isn't he? He's not you're not gonna be, you're not building your team around Ali Sissoko. You're not getting his name on the back of your shirt, but. You know, if you need someone to come in and do a job, it's just you know he's doing okay. It's just a shame that in any normal circumstance, you know, Enrique would be back, would have been back sooner, and we'd be well, we'd be fine. We'd be as fine as we can be with those Enrique. With Enrique well. left back, yeah, yeah. We, I, I, we don't have, let's look. Let's be honest. We don't have. I think even Glenn Johnson, who's our best fullback, has been been crap for two months yeah. or more. You know, so. But Glenn Johnson, if we use Glenn Johnson as the as the as the mould as the model on his on his best day when he's playing when he's fully fit and he's playing to the best of his ability, he's just, he's top international class. Perhaps if I'm being over generous, perhaps borderline, bordering on world class. Mm. We've got nothing else anywhere near as good as him in the fullback positions in the squad. I don't think that's fair enough. Um, to uh, open it up a little bit more uh, and look at the game specifically against Arsenal, how we're going to approach it. Um, Phil, would you think it's fair enough to say that uh, there's not really any good reason why we shouldn't look to play this game pretty much on the counter attack? Um, given that you know, given the setup, given the team we're playing against, and given who we may have available to us, or is that is that uh, something you would agree with? Um, the, the Arsenal's an interesting game. I, I, you know, we've been fucking diabolical against Arsenal for I don't know how many years. Every time I'd like to, in recent history. They just seem to come to Anfield and walk away with three points. Um, they were having to do a whole lot. Yeah, like even last year, they just came and they walked through us. They literally, Abu Dhabi just walked through our midfield all day long and Kazorla made a mockery of the defence. Now, you know, 
I'd look at Joe Allen, Henderson and Steven Gerrard and you'd say, okay, looking at the potential Arsenal midfield because the, uh, seemingly Arteta could be out with a, a knock now after after the other night. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at it saying our midfield is the equal to the Arsenal midfield going into it this time, right? What um, will the Arsenal midfield be? Or what it didn't look like because Ramsey's obviously out, was that? Mm. Yeah. Ch- Chamberlain was, was very good there yesterday. Yeah. No, we're probably going to play. That, like again, you're, you're just looking. Like this is what I'm saying. But they have a makeshift midfield. If it, I, that's why I'm, I'm thinking that our midfield, if Arteta is missing, and given our Arsenal's injury problems that they have, that we have an equal. The, the problem is looking at the tree that goes behind the that goes behind the Arsenal midfield, and you're looking at, as you said, Cazola, Ozil, and Chamberlain, and you've got Giroud, and you can just see problems for our back four with that, with with that, with the amount of movement that will go on in front of them. So again, you're looking for that sort of level of performance that we had in Everton, and I think, as Paul said, the intensity will be there, and as Andy made out as well, because it's such a big game. Our midfield, our players will have that intensity back. Mm. You know, it's, mm. it's it's regardless of who they are, they will have the intensity. The pro- as I said, the, the issue though is that Arsenal have such good memories of coming to Liverpool and walking away from Anfield with three points. You know, it, it, it's 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 been the way it's been for for the last few seasons. Um, we have to stop this. You know, we, we've managed to do a lot of good things at Anfield this year and make make it a fortress more or less. And this is this is a huge game for us. If we can win, I said it last week. Arsenal have to be our target in the league. Forget about positions. I think we can catch Arsenal. I, I, I'm, I'm less confident about it after the weekend, but I think we can still catch them. And if we can get ahead of Arsenal, we're going to finish top three, in my opinion. Um, and that's where we should be aiming for. Forget fourth. Let's aim for top three. And if you can finish in the top three um, and, and, and get ahead of Arsenal, you've made a bigger statement than finishing fourth. Fair enough. Stephen Brown, is that fair enough to say that we should stop uh, stressing and fretting about Kazorla and, 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 and all their various wonderful talents and think about, look, what we've got and we just need to build a platform from the defence and in the midfield and give them a chance to do their thing yeah that's completely like, you have to agree with everything Phil said um, it's going to come down the game's going to come down to what way Brendan Rodgers lines us out on Saturday whether we all know everyone knows exactly what way Arsenal are going to come out and play what way Arsenal played the exact same way for like, God knows how many years now at this stage so it's up to Rodgers to try and figure out a way that we're going to be solid defensively but still have the ability to link our midfield to attack because that's been an issue in games against Arsenal where the past recently um, where we haven't been we've been solid-ish at the back but we've had no link we've, it's literally it's one or the other mm. we've been all out attack or just defending so we've no link we need to have a link uh, which is where Coutinho or Alan comes in on Saturday um, personally I'd rather I'd start Alan I'd rather have Coutinho coming off the bench for half an hour yeah. mm. with the premise that it's one all and it's or one all nil all whatever it might be and we got the Coutinho there's half an hour go in and do what you do fair enough um, it's going to be tough Like there's just no way around regardless of Arsenal's injuries whether Ted is there or not Like the Arsenal are a very good side yeah very fair enough well, that's, that's two in a row there speaking about introducing um, Coutinho as a substitute James Owens would you concur with that about using Coutinho as a substitute yeah, yeah and perhaps starting Alan if he's able to start oh that's, absolutely yeah is Alan able to start that's the problem yeah yeah sure yeah I mean I I probably, I, I probably would, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know whether or not it's actually an option. And again, that's the issue we've got. We, we, we just like that bit of depth, and obviously, you know, depth combined with lack of depth combined with a few injuries, and you, you know, you struggle with it. You just kind of, kind of got to work with what you've got, kind of like relative, uh, you know, um, doing different things tactically and what have you. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paul, uh, we sh- if we're going to maintain our two points per game ratio, having lost two there against the Baggies, we need to win this game, basically. We've, we've put ourselves under pressure in order to maintain this magical two games per, per uh, two points per game, which, which, which gives you Champions League football. Um, does that put us under extra pressure to win this? Do, it, will it, in fact, change the way the team approaches the game, do you think? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's, I mean, that sounds like the kind of thing Brendan Rodgers would definitely be well up on. But he, 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 I think he looks in like blocks of games, doesn't he? I don't know how that impacts it. But hmm. I think uh, I think the motivation's there. I mean, I, the simple fact of the matter is the team that finishes in fourth in the Premier League is the team that is consistently the least shit out of the team going for it. And, yeah. you know, and so we, you know, and it, so I think you know if we get a point. From it, I think a point is for is, is enough for fourth place, that kind of thing. That's the kind of form. But if we've any ambitions of, of being any more than that, if we want to, if we want to have it sewn up, I mean, if we get a point, then I think fourth is going to go to the wire, and it's going to be horrific the rest of the season as we just stress over every single game. Mm. But if we can somehow get a win, the confidence that gives you, I could, you know, and, we, and if we can get a few players back from injury. You know, I think Brendan Rodgers must be looking at it and thinking, well, you know what, let's, you know, if you're aiming for fourth and you miss fourth, you end up in fifth or sixth. Mm. You know, whereas we should be still aiming for sort of second, third in the league. You know, heaven forbid, let's let's look higher and, and see what happens. You know what I mean? And then the day if you beat Arsenal, you can you can beat anyone, and that's what the team have got to think. Fair enough. Well, look, seeing as you're here, you're still on the line, um, and we've looked at pretty much. How we think the the team is going to look shape wise? Could you give us a, an idea of how you think it's going to go prediction wise? Um, Christ, I, I well, we're going to concede, we're going to concede, aren't we? Because that's that's what happens. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's not we've got a running thing in Anfield where if me and Chris go and get go and get a, a, a double decker and, and, and a can of coke on the water from this particular news agent on a walk to the ground then we went 4-1 uh, <laughs> so, Jesus uh, stick with that man yeah. so uh, we'll do our best we'll do all we can obviously for the team <laughs> fucking um, heroes <laughs> no I don't know I, I think to be honest if we can get you know if it's 2-1 and we score a, a horrible goal in the last minute to win it fucking fucking amazing oh yeah get in I'll take that as well James Owens your prediction I seem to find myself making this prediction a lot, um, and I have no idea because I think you know predictions are usually pointless. But I'll say Liverpool two, Arsenal two. Excellent. I, I seem to predict that score a lot. I don't know. I did for the derby, so I'm just as wrong again. But you know, with us winning points. <laughs> okay, right. Thanks, James. Stephen Brown prediction. One all. One all. Okay, Andy Young. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, have I caught you on the half, Andy? <laughs> Did you oh, not see well, this question coming up? <laughs> I was thinking about it all day. Really. <laughs> Get uh, the fucking boat, will you? <laughs> no. Honestly, fucking God, I, I just can't call this one. Um, like, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, look, Arsenal didn't tear Crystal Palace asunder yeah. uh, like everyone expected yesterday. Crystal Palace put on a very, very good fight, especially in the first half. Um, if Liverpool kind of play this counter-attacking thing that they did against Everton, it could work out very well for them, and especially I think if they get an extra man in the midfield. Yeah. Um, Arsenal's midfield just doesn't tend to be as devastating as it was when you know Ramsey was there and he was scoring all them goals and Oz was really really playing well. So like we might not be over on the mid- I think I think if we if we're not over on the midfield. We've lo- plenty for them, plenty for them. You know, mm. Sturridge and um, Sterling and Suarez. 
So fuck it, two one Liverpool. That's it. We we got there eventually. Yeah, on the on the on the premise that Suarez isn't going to be shit uh, or ineffective twice in a row. I'm, I'm going to say that we we pull the result out here and we get a win. Phil Casey, your shit. I t- fancy. I think we're going to win five nil. I genuinely do. Like, remember, I, remember, I said we were going to thump Spurs. Yeah. For the exact, I have the exact same reason going into the Arsenal game. I think we're going to fucking pummel them. I, I don't know why. I just think we're genuinely going to pummel them. You're just going to think it's going to be one of those. It's 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 just one of those moments that's going to happen. Do you remember we did, we did it a couple of years ago when, when Crouchy went wild and fucking destroyed Jens Lehner. <laughs> went so wild. I'm going I'm going five nil us. Okay. I'm going to go. I just got to show Steve's Steve Daly's uh, prediction out there three one. Well, it's important. He's going to pick three one anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Okay. Right then, uh, on to listeners' questions. Like this part of the show, we get to understand a little bit more about the folks that listen to us, and you get a chance to hear uh, what a collection of odd balls we really are. So we're going to go with the first question tonight. That's from Forza Bobby. He's at Mersey so- Boy Red, actually. And he's wondering, if you could choose any film in which you would be the lead role, um, which film would you cast yourself in, Stephen Brown? Um... Is there, just to clarify the question, it's yes. a film that's it's already been made. It's not a porno. Made. You have to, you have to pick a film like No, a film that's already been made. Like, yeah, yeah, existing yeah. film. Okay, oh, three. Uh, Jesus. Jesus. Pick one. That was the question. Swept. Go. Give us your favourite. Give us your favourite, fella. Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yeah, see yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah, there was not, it wasn't a porno. You had to pick. <laughs> oh, excellent. Could have picked Boogie Nights. That was second. <laughs> uh, Paul Machen. Um, oh, Christ. Um, the, Back to the Future Back to the Future Okay Any particular reason mate Because the DeLorean's fucking amazing <laughs> That'll do That'll do Next one's from Michael uh, Actually no hoverboards Sorry hoverboards Oh yeah sorry. <laughs> Actually that's what sells it yeah. uh, They're coming out next year Aren't they <laughs> Are they what? Yeah, this year. No this year This year was the year That you went to the future Excellent yeah. Can't wait for that Can I just say Michael Douglas And falling down I think you should I yeah, think you should if, if not that Then Peter Gibbons In office space Oh, you, you've, you've, you've caused a bit of silence in the room here. What's that all about? Why, why would you oh, choose that? No one's seen Office Space. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, James. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Oh. No, no, no. Sorry about that, fella. Sorry. No, that's, that's, a, that's a new one on us. Why, why, why the Michael Douglas one gives that shit? Because uh, he goes berserk, doesn't he? And he just sort of sets the world to rights. I mean, he ends up dead, so that, that's a bit sad. That's but, unfortunate. You know, maybe... Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> 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 okay, right. I'm <laughs> 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 uh, about to get off the line now, I think. <laughs> Next question from Michael. He's at John Locke's Legs. He wants to know, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 20 duck-sized horses, Phil Casey? Uh, you'd have to go for the 20 duck-sized horses. Oh, you just kicks. <laughs> yeah, you can just kick, kick them to, to Jesus. <laughs> Not that I have a quite, hey, kicking duck-sized horses. No, a horse-sized a hor- a horse duck. A horse-sized duck would be... That is a fucking scary idea. Yeah, imagine the size of its wings. I'm not. I'm, I, that's actually. That's. I'd rather deep. climb on board like the never-ending story and, and t- use it as a means of transport. <laughs> <laughs> See where you're going with that. Kieran, yeah. uh, he's at Nave. Kieran presents us with a hypothetical scenario here, and it is quite good. You've just failed robbing a bank with Ali Sissoko, Paul Konchesky, and Roy Hodgson as your crew. Basically, can you explain to me what went wrong, uh, James? I know you've given this some thought. <laughs> can you explain to me what went wrong with the heist, James? Well, everything was going very, very well, and uh, 
and, and Paul and Ali had got into the safe. But uh, unfortunately, we were apprehended by officers because uh, I, I got talking to one of the bank staff about my very successful time in Neuchatel Zamax. Uh, <laughs> a little too long, and uh, unfortunately, we found ourselves very, very quickly in custody, which was, uh, which was rather a shame because everything had been proceeding very, very well up to that point. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Okay, next one up is uh, from Dave. Last week's bunker guest here, um, he's at Satrial80 on Twitter, and he asks, if Dirty Dancing has the best movie soundtrack of all time, what is the second best movie soundtrack of all time? He has specifically requested Phil must sing the answer here. So I'll, I'll ask Phil in a few seconds if he's willing to do that. But uh, Stephen Brown, second best movie soundtrack of all time? Casino. Casino. Give me, give me one of the tunes from that. The best piece of film to music... A music to film ever is, is the end. No, the very end when Joe Pesci gets hit with a shovel in the head, oh, yeah? and it's the house of the rising sun where the animals just kicking in. Very nice, very nice, Phil. I see you searching through your phone, fella. Have you got a chef for me? You just gonna? Well, yeah, I, I'm going with Scarface. Okay, a soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Push it to the limit. The limit. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what? Nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, next one's from Simon Furnival, again, a guest from two weeks ago. He asked a very direct question. Um, I'm going to come to you on this one, Paul Machen. Do you know what nemesis means? Well, in, in purely Star Trek terms, it means that you've got to get Tom Hardy to play young um, Johnny Picard, but no, no, no Star Trek fans no sorry mate no. Another, more tumbleweed more tumbleweed <laughs> I'm with you I'm with you <laughs> sci-fi boy here is happy with your, quest, with your answer there. Jim Fishlock uh, our AI podcast chum has a culinary query for you Andy Young what is your ideal lunchtime snack would you go for a panini or a baguette or a plain sandwich what do you like Andy um, sweet chilli chicken wrap <laughs> fucking hell specific yeah uh, with cheese um, sun dried tomatoes and uh, they let us, yeah. And then Johnny Union rings with them. Oh, <laughs> <Johnny> <laughs> <Union> rings. <laughs> Do you make that for the boys on the station? Do you? <laughs> uh, just Nolly, he's at Just Nolly One. He wants to know. Yesterday was Groundhog Day, so what antics would you get up to on a Groundhog Day? Um, I, I think there's probably going to be a couple of takers for this. James Owens, I'm going to come back to you on that. Um. I, I- it's a terrible. I'm not. I've not seen Groundhog Day. What's the basic premise? You might want to ask someone else. It's 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 basically office space. Office space. Basically, the same thing happens again and again, James. So if you could repeat your actions on a daily basis, what would they be? Hey, right, John Moore. He's at twenty three Carrot God, and he says, "When did you first discover that Santi wasn't real, Stephen Brown? When did you realise what age were you, fell? I was." 11 just I was 10 nearly 11 yeah. um, were, were, were you crestfallen or did you know already I was had an idea like yeah. the lads in school would be telling you but you don't want to believe it like, yeah. so 10 age. or 11 you, 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 you got 11. that far yeah. Andy Young how far did you get I don't remember when but I, I can certainly remember when like I had the discussion with the folks because like, I tried to keep it going as long as possible like you know yeah what yeah, I mean? yeah I did but, the same like funny enough uh, there was a few other questions to be asked when when I when we actually had the discussion about Santa, so obviously like right, so the Easter egg, yeah, the Easter bunny, that's not true either. No, right. right. <laughs> uh, was that not your entry level one that you, you were told? No, well, like, just the, it exists the discussion. So oh, right, like, it, it all like, fell apart because the like, oh, there was rumours. Oh bollocks! Right? You know, <laughs> there was rumours. <laughs> 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 the so when it came, never to, seen the Easter bunny. When it never came seen to, tracks or nothing. But uh, <laughs> I do, I, uh, I do remember going. Right, uh, so what about Jesus? Oh, you Easter bunny. 
Santi and Jesus. I said to him, uh, uh, so is Jesus all a lot of bollocks. <laughs> 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 there was just, that's just another one of the fucking wind up. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> Proper father Ted moment that yeah. <laughs> So uh, uh, Fucking clip Are you on the air I'd say it. Uh, I was going to say I, I, always, I always remember Being a bit sceptical about it from, from, from very early If I'm honest Oh yeah I see So, so you, you, you couldn't pinpoint when though Yeah it wasn't really a Kind of a black and white thing As to when I believed Or when I didn't I was always pretty Sort of um, I was always pretty sceptical Just You were just in the know What about you Paul? Sorry, I like the idea of James doing like a Columbo-esque bit with his <laughs> Just one more question. <laughs> no, well, I was probably, oh God, I was probably about seven. Oh, yeah. Seven or eight, when I found, I found me Atari ST in my mum and dad's, uh, oh, that's the idea. dad's cupboard in the week, in the build-up to Christmas, like, and, you know, there was something, something wasn't right there. I was just like, you know, they were like, but, you no, know, Santa Claus is real. I was like, just, just, just one more thing. And, uh, and they couldn't, they couldn't. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, okay. Uh, can I give you another little story, though? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Confessions uh, of an Andy. Fucking hell. You'll hate me for this one. Is this another religion story? This is the youngest person I ever told there was no such thing as Santa. Oh, yeah? Uh, I was playing Xbox Live this night, and... Uh, <laughs> playing Call of Duty and uh, there was some little squeaky shit and he was being real cheeky and slagging the Irish and he was doing everything you could tell he was only like six or seven <laughs> so, so I said uh, listen Skip <laughs> there's no fucking such thing as Santa and all your presents in your ma's wardrobe whooping shit you know believe me and it's just the silence was fucking deafening and I'm thinking bollocks that must be bad <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's harsh. <laughs> Fucking bollocks dessert. <laughs> Watch a gamer tag. <laughs> Phil Casey. <laughs> Dream crusher. 101. Uh, right, next one's from Carl Trotman. Uh, interesting one, this. Stephen Brown, if you could follow one Twitter account, uh, only one, which one would it be? The Day Trippers. Oh, on message. Excellent. Uh, I know it's a fucking class. Uh, <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yes, Andy, sorry. The, uh, the Liverpool History uh, show that's coming yeah, to yeah, the first. Yeah, Nicky Yolts. Nicky Yolts Twitter account. That's fucking uh, brilliant. And for, yeah, the pictures they put out are brilliant. Okay, next one up is Andy Rowe. He's at Andy P. Rowe. He asks, I'm going to get everyone on this. Who's your favourite Muppet? Who's your favourite Muppet? Paul Machen. Um, oh, fucking hell. Um... Um, Christ, what are the names? Gonzo is he a Muppet? Gonzo's a Muppet. That'll do. That, that'll do. James. Um, I can't really think of the Muppets off the top of my head, but I'll say Animal was one of the Muppets, wasn't he? I always confuse the Muppets and Sesame Street and all that stuff. Animal was okay. Animal's yeah, yours. Animal played the drums, didn't he? So I played the drums. That's so. the lad. That's the lad. Steve Brown. You, you, you look upset. Animal, yeah. I had written down Gonzo and Animal. Gonzo and Animal. Uh, what about you, Andy? Uh, Cookie Monster. Cookie, is he? Is he? Is he no, he's not. No, he's not. Sesame Street. No, he was a Muppet as well. No, 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 Sesame Street. No. Okay. Muppet. Who is a Muppet? Just give, give, give Kermit <laughs> a shout. Give poor fucking Kermit a shout. Go on. Kermit the Frog. Or is, is Mrs. Cracker? She was. In fact. Uh, <laughs> the two of our lads that sit in the booth are brilliant. You can't have seven shouts. That's one off and start with. That's it. I would go for Ralph. Or Dr. Oh, Teeth. Well, you go with Dr. Fucking... Ralph or Dr. Teeth. Go for Dr. Oh, Dr. Teeth. He was the, the, the two boys from the jazz band. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, Ralph for me. 
every day. Roth comes in, he's eight out of ten. He puts a shift yeah, in. Yeah. No fucking mess, no fucking Kermit the Frog shit. Great ears, top ears. Yeah. He's a solid citizen. I like Roth. Uh, okay, um, the last one, our second last one. Would you rather be a rock star, a footballer, or a movie actor? And which, what would be your reason for that? Um, I start here on me right, Andy. Hmm. Rock star, footballer, movie actor. Football, reason. Absolutely. Reason. Yeah. Just be better. I don't know. Just be better. I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant. Kind of best of every world there. Like. Okay. Nice one. Hmm. Uh, Stephen Brown, footballer, actor, rock star. Rock star. Why? It, it, just the whole buzz of being on stage in front of 50, 60, 70,000 people just on your own. Just quality. Yeah, fuck yeah. Quality. Mm. James, rock star, movie star, or footballer? I think a rock star over a footballer um, because you, there's no real pressure to be a sort of a sensible role model as, oh, yeah. a, as a rock star. Um, you're expected to be a womanising prick, so I think for that reason. <laughs> okay, Paul Mason finishes out which of the three rock star footballer where's, movie actor. Where was the option for, for Z List online TV presenter? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate, we should have. <laughs> we just weren't thinking. We just weren't thinking, fella. <laughs> no, I, I think when I was like when I was like at 10 or 11, it was football. When I was 17, it was rock star. And as I got older, I think. I think after being a movie after it'd be nice wouldn't it oh, I think that'd be nice as well yeah fairly young finishes out yeah it must be a nice thing I'm going with movie actor as well because then you can just get to play low, like you can get to play a rock star in a movie and a footballer and you can get to play a footballer in a movie but like and then you get to hang out with all dead looking women yeah like, do you know what I mean it's, 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 it's got I look at Colin Farrell he has so such limited talent but look at the life he has <laughs> harsh okay. I'm not in Okay, right, that's it. Um, that's about us. Okay, just some admin then. Um, we'll announce the winners of the Cara Day Trip competition on at Liverpool Ways and at the Day Trippers 1 on Friday. Still time to enter, so check out our Twitter feed for that. It's at Day Trippers 1 for details of how uh, you can still enter, and we'll tweet it tomorrow. The HGC Cup in Ireland is on March the 22nd. It's in Astro Park. Details will be on our timeline tomorrow. Uh, get a team in so we can teach you a footballing lesson with our delightful skills here um, we're going to win it but you should feel free to uh, be one of the teams that we beat on the way yes. um, big thanks as always to Johnny Rep for our class intro, intro music there a uh, new single give is, is out now uh, you can follow all our news and views on our smart feed at Liverpool Ways so follow that great account um, if you want some excellent articles as well get on to uh, beyondthecop.com as well my own writing you can find four days a week on Liverpool Offside. That's liverpooloffside.sbnation.com, which you should be checking out on a regular basis. Uh, don't forget to follow us and subscribe to our trippery fair either on Podbean, iTunes, or via any podcatcher on Android. So, your day trippers tonight were Paul Machen, James Owens, Andy Young, Stephen Brown, the golden tonsilled Nicky Filage Casey, and myself, uh, the man who dare not speak his own name correctly, Trev Downey. Remember, <laughs> it was a grand time. Downey! <laughs> you just fucked the ending of it completely. <laughs> anyway, see ya. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.